Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us on another Table Talk program. I am Pastor Yvette from Word of Faith Global Ministries in Miami Springs, Florida, just in case you didn't know. And Table Talk is a program where we have conversational topics about the Word of God. And I'm super excited because we love to go in deeper into Scripture um, bring those verses that sometimes are difficult to understand. And uh, we just love getting in deeper because we know that God's word is alive and well. And so that's what we do in this uh, program of Table Talk. And today I am most excited because for three weeks, ladies and gentlemen, three weeks in a row, this is record <laughs> for us, right? Yes. Three weeks. I have Pastor Marcia Castillo from ESYF Church in Miami, Florida with me, and I could just hear the crowd cheering right now. Hallelujah. <laughs> I need to get a little recording. I told Dr. Laura that the other day. I said, well, back my popular, popular demand, and I <laughs> wish I had a little recording with some crowd cheering. <laughs> but I, I know that you are uh, definitely, definitely one of the one of the most popular ones on my table talk program. Praise uh, the Lord. Yes, people love hearing your teaching. And uh, but Pastor Marsha, if you don't know, Pastor Marsha and her husband, Pastor ESYF Church in the city of Miami, Florida. Pastor Marsha is also a has a doctorate from Logos Christian University, and she is an author as well of a beautiful book uh, that I really want to get the English version at some point, but it is in Spanish, uh, but it, come. it is come. forthcoming, forthcoming. <laughs> I can't wait for that. But for the past couple of weeks, we've actually had a wonderful talk where we discussed the Feast of the Lord just two weeks ago prior to um, Passover. And then we had a most beautiful teaching last Wednesday, a week from today, actually. And we had a show and tell. We yes. had a beautiful setting at your church. And uh, which, again, I want to just thank you and your team for hosting that. That was so beautiful. I can't begin to tell you how many people reached out to me. And I would dare say, Pastor Marsha, that there were several people who told me that while you were giving that teaching, they actually cried. Wow. Isn't that amazing? I, I, I found that to be amazing. That table, um, the table, the, the, the Seder table talks about Jesus. Yeah. So of course, when we see something that beautiful, so well represented, and when we actually understand what, what it's saying, what it symbolizes, yeah. of course, Yes. I mean, I personally um, <clears throat> had several moments throughout the teaching where I felt the spirit of the Lord. I heard things in my heart that I had not heard before from God. You know, it was like a revelation uh, time for me. And it was very special. Actually, I sat down and I saw the whole thing when I was alone in my house so that I could just bask in yes. the message and think about the Lord and his beauty uh, so I'm I'm happy to hear that I we're here to serve God and there's many ways of serving the Lord and these table talks are very uh, enlightening very helpful you bring very relevant topics uh, just like the topic we're going to discuss today which helps us I think um, understand that we are not to discard anything from the Word of God 
There's a lot of people that think, oh, the Old Testament is not really relevant. Uh, we can't apply it to our lives in a way that it's, you know, socially interactive or acceptable. Mm -hmm. And I think nothing is further from the truth. So right. for me, it's a tremendous privilege to be here with you again. Thank you for inviting me once more. Uh, and to do what I do best or what I love doing, which is to be in the word. Yes, I totally agree. We we feed off from each other so many times because <laughs> we're we're so alike in in that aspect that we just we just want to get in there. We really want to unravel, you know, those mysteries of the word of God. And when we do, we find those beautiful treasures that God has for us um, because he wants to. He wants to do that. He wants to reveal himself in a deeper way. I, I, I let me put it to you this way. When you go on vacation, you do your homework, you research, you see the places, what's uh, the most interesting places or the most popular places or where there's been history. You really do your homework. And by the time you get to that vacation spot, you already know what your itinerary looks like, what you're going to do on what day and, and so forth. Right. Well, this is the same. We're on a we're, we're on a journey where, you know, heaven is in front of us and we need to know. Yeah. as much as we can about that destination where we're going to spend eternity. Yes. So this is why it's so important to deep, uh, dig, dig deep in the word yeah. and, and study so that we may get to know the Lord better, his heart, his expectations, because this is not just about us receiving. It's also about what he's expecting from us mm -hmm. while we're here on the earth. Yes. So that's 100%. how I look at it. 100%. You know, it's interesting because the one from last week was actually borrowed by uh, one of my dear friends from uh, Texas, uh, Pastor Denise Ramos, and her and her husband um, have a radio station and she saw the teaching on the Passover um, Seder, the table, and she asked me for permission to use that on her weekly show. And uh, she used it last <laughs> Friday, which I mean, I, I we were honored um, by that because it's a different set of audience, uh, which, like you said a moment ago, what our desire is just to, you know, teach the word and get into the word uh, in a deeper way and just share what God shows us to a broader audience so that people can grow deeper in their walk with God. So Amen. I was I was really honored by that. So um a little shout out there to my dear friend, Denise. Um, but today, I know that we're going to be talking about another very interesting uh, topic. And um, last year, I know that you did as well as I did around the same time. We both gave a message. Um, I entitled mine. I can't remember what you entitled yours, but I entitled mine, The mm -hmm. Mystery of the Omer, Living Each Day with Expectation. And I have to say that it was one of those, one of those, I keep hearing the word for some reason, I keep hearing the word riveting, this riveting. It was one of those like <laughs> riveting messages. To me, it was. And I remember <clears throat> preaching it. It was a at a very um, uh, on time, time frame in our church history as well, because we had to move from one location to the other, uh, to another at that time. And uh the Lord filled me with a great um, desire for to give me a spirit of expectation, knowing, believing and trusting him that 
everything was going to be all right. And just to look forward to what he has for us. And here it is a year later. And, you know, we may still be in that same location, but I truly believe that God is doing something despite what we see, despite what we feel. Um, so, you know, I, I wanted to mention that because it, it, I think that it, it brings more of a reminder to us of um, what God has in store for us. So what I want to do today is I want to kind of like set this up. Jesus has already gone to the cross. He's He was buried and he resurrected. We just celebrated Resurrection Sunday this past Sunday, right? Right. So today is Wednesday. Now what? Hmm. You set it up for us. Let's see. The First of all, the uh, disciples go through a tremendous process. They're fearful. Yeah. They have no clue. I mean, this is their leader. This is the son of God. And he was just killed. I mean, imagine what they had. The, the thoughts that were going through their mind is like, this is this was all in vain. Um, I happened to have been talking about your ministry this past Monday when I was teaching my class on spiritual warfare and how spiritual mapping uh, comes into play when we're in the ministry. When, when, when we are serving the Lord, sometimes we don't understand what's going on, why we are where we're at, or why am I going through this season? It's all about spiritual mapping, but it all has a purpose. And I think this teaching on the counting of the Omer, uh, my message was titled Jesus and the counting of the Omer, uh, is so relevant. Yeah, There's so such richness hidden in, in, in the word and the symbolisms and every single little thing that took place had a meaning, had a reason. There's a why, uh, you know, even though we don't understand it. So the counting of the Omer, it's one of those things that Israel celebrates it in a religious way. It's like a ritual. Um, a little difficult to understand, honestly. When you go, it's like when you go to the eye doctor and they start playing with the lenses and they finally tell you, can you see better now? And you say, yes, I can read the letters. Okay. This is the same thing. Okay. I can understand the counting of the Omer when I put on my Jesus lenses, oh, my Jesus good. glasses. He is the one that brings everything into perspective. And he's the one that allows us to see. Other than if you if you take him out of the equation, this makes absolutely no sense. And it's completely irrelevant right. to our day-to-day -day lives. Now, the Omer or the sheath is an old biblical measure, and I'm gonna be reading from my notes. Uh, it's an old biblical measure of volume of unthreshed stacks of grain. And the amount of grain was used, or the omer was used for the temple offering. Now let's go to the word in the book of Acts chapter one, verses one through five, and we're gonna read it. And it says, uh, let's see. <clears throat> Let me look here, verses 1 through 5. It says, The former trees have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive 
after his passion or his crucifixion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days. And this is a critical statement right here. Okay, so put your finger on there and we're going to come back to that. He was allowed to be seen for 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which says he, ye have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And so we see something very peculiar. Number one, all these very important events are taking place. Uh in perfect sync with God's calendar. Okay. Since the old covenant, since Israel left Egypt. Interesting fact. Some um, rabbinical sources say that Moses tells the uh, Israelites while they were still in Egypt, when we leave, okay, 50 days will go by, and then we're going to have a special celebration. So since before they came out of Egypt, they already knew that 50 days later, whatever that may look like or whatever that may entail, 50 days later, they were having a feast, a festival. They just had no clue what it was all about. Okay. However, the interesting thing here or the underlying theme is that Moses had started to work on their expectations. They were already saying, okay, we're going to leave Egypt. We've had a lot of trouble here. I don't understand what God is doing in my life. There's a lot of hardship. There's a lot of plagues. There's a lot of bad things going on, but I have something to look forward to because 50 days from now, I'm supposed to be invited to a big celebration. Wow. So I think that's something really, really uh, important here. Uh, the rabbinical chronology for giving the Torah was of Mount Sinai. They just had no clue that this was going to happen. Okay. Right. So we, um, we need to think, okay, Egypt is behind. They're already thinking about, okay, I have to go through all this hardship. We're going to go through, uh, when they get to the uh, Red Sea, they see the Red Sea parting. Uh, in the back of their minds, they're thinking, okay, somehow this is all going to work out and we're going to get to celebrate 50 days from now. It was like having the carrot in front of the horse. Right. You know what I'm saying? Something good is going to happen, even though I can't see it. Even though my life right now doesn't make any sense, even though I'm I'm a, a, in a location where I don't think I should be here, this is where I'm stationed right now. This is where the Lord has me. But something better is coming down the pike, and I think that's so important for Christians to know and realize and and walk through it. This is why God's calendar creates a rhythm in in the believer's life because maybe we're having a difficult time today. But 50 days from now, something good is going to happen. Uh, so I've wondered many a times what the disciples were doing after the Passover. Because mm. their lives, their expectations, their dreams 
had been shattered yeah. by the crucifixion. And when they had that experience in, uh, in common, it brought them together like never before. Right. So they would meet every day to pray. They would meet every day to share the Lord's Supper, which they had learned a few days before. Right. You know, do this in remembrance of me. So they would get together, pray, share the Lord's Supper, break bread, you know, have that camaraderie uh, among them. Um, and then something strange happens. Jesus comes back. On the third day, he's resurrected. He meets up with them. And it's so amazing that they finally went like, oh, I get it. He said this would happen, but it really, like, it didn't, maybe they didn't believe him. What do you yeah. think about that? Yeah. Yeah, they think? probably, they probably didn't. They probably, well, they probably, like you said, had that spirit of expectation, but had no idea what was going to occur. Little did they know that Jesus was going to resurrect on the third day, on the actual Feast of First Fruits, yes? So they have been celebrating the Feast of First Fruits, Passover, right. unleavened bread, and first fruits. Right. But they had not connected it to Jesus. This is why I tell you that when you look at things through the lens of right. the Lord, then everything is like, oh my God, I I couldn't see this before. So he resurrects on the first, the day of uh, the, the Israel is celebrating first roots. Yeah. And they finally start connecting the dots. Okay. Yeah. Now the Torah commands that. <clears throat> the Jewish people will count seven weeks for 49 days from the Feast of First Fruits to the Feast of Pentecost. Pentecost comes from a Greek word, pente, which means 50. And if we look at Leviticus 23, 15, we're going to see that commandment there. Uh, seven also represents wholeness, perfection, completion. So this is a very significant period of time for the Jewish people. Um, and the Lord, you know, being practical, tells them, you're gonna count every day. I don't wanna, get, I don't want you to get confused. Right. I need to make sure that I implement a system where you can count every day to make sure you get to the 49th day. And then on the 50th day, boom, we have the Feast of Pentecost. Okay. Right. Uh, so they institute or the Lord institutes this way of counting. Okay. Every day at sundown for 49 days, they will bring the measure of the Omer. It's a unit of measurement of barley to the temple. It's 9.3 cups. Okay. Okay, so the idea of counting each day represents spiritual preparation. It represents anticipation, which the routine of day to day could very easily kill that. Mm. It could you could you could get you could be a Christian, love the Lord, serve the Lord, and be lost in the atmosphere and be lost in the uncertainty of life, uh, and 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 not realize. I'm in the middle of a special season in yeah. God's calendar. It's a season of open heavens. It's a season of open windows. It's a season of 
Moedim, which means an encounter with God. I have an appointment with the Lord. Uh, so these people at sundown every day will count the Omer. And they would say, uh, today is day such and such since the Feast of uh, First Fruits. Uh, <clears throat> let's see what I have here. Something that is going to take place that talks about perfection, that talks about completion, uh, is coming into the world. Now, symbolically speaking, the Jewish people still count the Omer. Okay. Um, every year they recite a prayer. Their prayer says, Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with the commandments and commands us concerning the counting of the Omer. And for example, they say today is 22 days, which is three weeks and one day of the Omer. And this is the way that they keep track and they are certain not to miss wow. that special day that is going to be celebrated. It's safe to assume that Jesus also practiced this and right. he counted the Omer with his disciples during the three years that they were together. Like we read in the book of Acts, they, 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 they were expecting, they had no clue what was coming. The, the only thing that they knew is that they, in the old covenant, when the 50th day got there, they were by Mount Sinai and Torah was given on that day. Right. What do you think about that? I yeah, mean, can you visualize it? Does it help you? Absolutely. It's powerful to me. I, I, I picture um, <clears throat> the disciples, like you mentioned at the beginning, um, from from that trajectory of the time that that Passover that that they celebrate the Passover meal, um, they begin to count, correct, and Jesus is then arrested. He's crucified. I can I trying to put myself in those um, moments in time of you know, or in the mindset of the disciples, you know, and and then think about the fact that despite all of that going, I would imagine that they were still counting the Omer. Most definitely. So it's, Most definitely. it's not as if, you know, oh my goodness, Jesus has been arrested. You know, all this is going on. Let's stop counting the Omer. They continued because this is, a, this is something that they followed, you know, from, from the teachings of the Old Testament. It's and the they're Old very methodical about it. Correct. There's no getting them out of that. There's right. no, there's no, no, there are no excuses for not counting the Omer. It's yeah. something that's religiously done. Now, look at this. Think about this. This is like a roadmap. And I think we miss it so many times because yeah. we're not paying attention to, to what's happening here. While this celebration from the old covenant is taking place, the new covenant is also alive, active at this time. So it's like within the parameters of the old, here comes the new. And what's happening while that's taking place? Well, I'll tell you, is during that window of time uh, that between resurrection and Pentecost, the, during the counting of the Omer specifically, that Jesus appears for 40 days, giving convincing proof 
that he was alive. He could have done at any other point, at any other day. Right. But he chose those 40 days. Now, 40 is a symbolic number. Mm -hmm. It talks about preparation. Uh, Jesus' disciples would have been counting the omer, and they entered a time of great expectation. He's resurrected. He's alive. We saw him. What's going to happen next? What does that mean for me? And that has not changed. And I think the church has lost sight of the beauty of this season. What does that mean for me? He's alive. He's he's uh, showing up all over the place. He's resurrecting saints. He's doing miracles. He's doing great things. Yeah. What could he have for me? Yeah. You know, what, what, what's, oh my God, am I going to see somebody be uh, raised from the dead? What could he possibly be preparing? So it's a, it's a time of preparation for the new assignment. They just didn't know what the Lord was going to do. So during that time, uh, we see that Jesus begins an intense training with the disciples. Mm -hmm. Number one. First and foremost, I am alive, and there could be no doubt about that. Yeah. I think, no, I don't think, I know. My husband studies a lot about the life of the 12 disciples. He preaches to me. He teaches me and tells me all about it. So, yes. <laughs> um, these men needed to be anchored yeah. wow. in that truth. There could be no doubt because their assignment would take them to the ends of the earth. Okay. You're going to preach in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, the great commission. Right. And these men could have no doubt that he was alive. So the first thing that Jesus wanted to make sure that they were fully persuaded in their hearts is that he's alive. They also needed to understand that he's not just, yeah, he's a son of God. Oh, yeah, he was a great teacher. Mm. Oh, yeah, he was a prophet. No, he is Messiah. Yes. He is the one that was chosen. The, the one that the word spoke about and said, there comes, there's one coming yes. from the stump of Jesse that is going to redeem humanity. There could be no doubt about that. Yes. And that took a lot of work. They needed to see more miracles mm -hmm. from a resurrected Messiah, mm -hmm. someone who could walk through walls, someone mm -hmm. who could sit down and have a meal. Here is my glorified body. This is what's waiting for you as well. Wow. Yes. Because I am the first of many brethren. Yes. Okay. Uh, and third, they needed to understand that they had an important task to complete. And if you go to the book of John, you're going to see uh, verses 19 through 23. It says, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, peace be unto you. And when he had said, he showed unto them his hands and his side, then there then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said to them, Peace be unto you as my Father has sent me, even so I send you. So here comes the little 
nudge. You saw what happened to me? You want to follow me? You want to be like me? I'm going to send you just like my father sent me. But be careful. <laughs> yes. Be Beware and be ready for what the Lord is telling you. Because you know, you never know, uh, you know, what, what could happen. And this, this script, these scriptures happened at, during the counting of the Omer. Yes. He appeared to them yeah. during the 40 day period of the counting of the Omer. Yeah. So he says, and then when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Whoever, whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. So he's saying, you know, the authority that I have to, to for judging, I'm passing it on to you. Mm. What a tremendous responsibility. Wow. So I am sure that when Jesus said all these things to, to them and he did the same thing that the father did with Adam at the very beginning. Receive the Holy Spirit. He, receive an impartation of my spiritual DNA. When that occurred, that must have been an explosion in their hearts. They're mm -hmm. like, where are we going? Imagine Jesus imparting the Spirit of God on you, wow. upon you. They had to have had a tremendous experience. Um, they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. If we keep reading uh, John 20, 22, flip the page here. Uh, it says, re yeah, receive the Holy Ghost. So at that point, he's passing on to them this very special gift, the person of the Holy Spirit who helped him endure the cross, mm. the trials, the betrayal. Right. We overlook that. And you and I talked about this extensively about how Jesus processed Judas's betrayal. Mm. This was not an easy thing for him because Judas was part of his inner core, inner, in his inner circle. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the Holy Spirit is the one that helped him overcome all these uh, obstacles on his way to Calvary. And I think we, I think we don't, Take that and make it ours. Hmm. I think we read about it, we know about it, but we don't put it to practice in our lives ourselves. I think we have a hard time doing that. And, and, and I think it's critical to look at all these scriptures through the lens of the Lord so hmm. that we could see clearly what's there for me. And yeah. what's there for me is that he will help us overcome. He will help us, you know, uh, jump over the hurdles, yeah. overcome situations, the pain in ministry, you know, which is something that it's undeniable. Ministry is difficult. Yeah. Uh, ministry comes with pain. Ministry comes with uh, betrayal a lot of times. And But the Holy Spirit is there. Yeah. He equipped them to go to death yeah. by giving them the person of the Holy Spirit. And I think, I think if we take anything... Um, from this process of the counting of the Omer is the fact that Jesus took the opportunity during that 40 day window to give 
the very best that he could give. He gave his life and then he gave us the spirit. Yes. Um, and he is our biggest treasure after salvation. Yeah. I, I agree with you with the, the fact that we overlook, uh, sometimes we, we, I want to say the word minimize, um, because we don't grasp the, uh, the power and the intensity of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift from God. And so, <laughs> excuse me, I, I, I find that in this, these verses you just read in John, uh, where Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. At this point in time, Acts 1 uh, or Acts uh, Pentecost had not come yet where the power of the Holy Spirit fell in the upper room. This, this was prior to that. What do you think, what do you think occurred at this moment? This is prior, you know, again, we're, we're counting the Omer here. Jesus is resurrected body. He just appears to his disciples. Shalom. And then he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit prior to the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes at the time of Pentecost, what do you think happened here in this scripture in John 20? The first thing I see, which brings tremendous peace to me, is that God is so exact mm -hmm. in his timing. God is so exact in keeping his calendar. This mm -hmm. is this gives me a this is like an anchor in my soul when I feel that life is happening, that everything is spinning out of control. He's in control. Yeah. There's an appointed time for everything from his perspective. And that brings me peace and it gives me security. And I think it's very important that we see the context of the 40 days. He did this with them personally. Because by the time Pentecost rolled around, they had to be ready to take off. Right. And take off, they did. Yeah. You know, by the time Pentecost came, these men were ready to preach. Peter stood up that day yeah. and 3,000 men gave their lives to the Lord. Now, if you go back to the old covenant, you're going to see, and we've talked about this, you know, there's, there's so many things that are happening that... We miss 3,000 men had died in the old covenant because of the uh, rebellion with the golden calf, correct? Correct. New covenant. We are going to receive 3,000 souls because we needed to offset what happened there, so to speak. And now 3,000 men gave their lives to Christ, Jews, mind you. On Pentecost, but the disciples had to have been ready. This is like the same pattern that Jesus used for Passover. He ate Passover meal the night before Israel did it because he needed to have been ready at the time that the temple sacrifice was taking place. He needed to have been on the cross because God's calendar is so exact. This is the same thing. I have a 40-day window. I am going to work with you. I'm going to make sure you understand beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm alive, that I am the Messiah, and that you do have a very important task to complete. And that entailed 
receiving the person of the Holy Spirit because the Spirit of God brings regeneration, he brings illumination, and he brings revelation. They needed, for example, Peter needed to understand what was happening. He discerned what was happening on that day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. Hence, he stood up and said, listen to what I'm going to tell you. I have a story to share with you. Had he not received the impartation of the Holy Spirit prior to that, he would mm. not have been able to do that because we are not able to carry on such a uh, uh, commission if we are not properly equipped. So the Holy Spirit brought revelation, illumination, regeneration, and they saw themselves as being commissioned. They felt the weight of responsibility on their shoulders. Uh, I've been commissioned to do something that carries eternal purpose. They received identity. They were no longer fearful of the Jews. Uh, they, they received visitations, teachings from Jesus, revelation, and they also learned about God's kingdom. The things that no ear has heard, nor eye has seen, okay, or has come up in the heart of a man, were the things that they were learning about. And these things had a profound effect on each and every one of these men. Yeah. They all died without hesitation for the sake of the gospel. Wow. For the sake of the kingdom. Each and every one of them died with the exception of John, who died of old age. Yeah. The rest of them, they all gave their lives. They were martyred yeah. for the sake of the call. Now, you need to be fully persuaded and madly in love with what you're doing in order to give your life. For sure. There, there has to be a convincing passion for your um, commission, for your mission here on this earth. And, and just a, a love for Jesus that you just know that you know that you know. And I love what you said about how at one of the one of the points that you mentioned was that they needed to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was truly alive, that he was the Messiah. And so that that had to be something so embedded in their in their lives, in their hearts, in their minds that they were for sure, empowered with not just that knowledge, that relationship that they had with Jesus. I would even dare say that during those 40 days, they had to have even had a stronger connection, a stronger uh, even relationship with Jesus, with the resurrected Jesus, as he not just breathed the Holy Spirit in them, but taught them. You said something critical. Knowledge is not enough. We could have knowledge, yeah, but we need to have revelation of yeah. who he is. And I think that's what pushed them over the edge. I agree. The revelation, because Jesus had told them before, I'm going to die. Yeah. You know, I've told you before about all these things. You know, on Passover night, he explained to them what was going to happen, but it was like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, they needed 
revelation as to who Jesus is. Now, my question to you is, has that changed? Absolutely not. That's our biggest problem. Absolutely not. That we are involved. And when I say we, I'm talking about the church at large. Right. And so many other things. We are fighting with the, the denominations and oh. uh, all of the things, all the nonsense that's going on on the earth right now. And we are simply not focusing no. on the person of Christ, who he is, what he's done for us and the expectation. I talk about this all the time uh, when I when I preach at our church, you know, um, these men, the counting of the Omer took a whole different meaning for them yeah. once they went through this. Each day they would rush to their gathering place, counting, praying, waiting. Oh my God, is he going to show up again today? Right. Uh, What's he going to talk about today? What are we going to see? Who knows what know. these men experienced with Jesus Yeah, for 40 days? Yeah. Remember that one scene where, where Jesus is um, on the shore and, uh, and that's he, the book of John. Yes. And, uh, and he's preparing a meal for them. And, oh my goodness. I just, that, that to me is so revelatory talk about revelation for me that's revelatory because <laughs> here he is during this whole season this whole time frame of the counting of the omer and like you said they had to have a spirit of expectation where is he going to show up next you know where because it wasn't like before where where jesus was you know sleeping in the same vicinity they were eating in the, no it was like these sporadic visitations and they had to have been like where is he going to show up next and all of a sudden he's at the shore and you know that speaks volumes to me you just said that uh, a minute ago and how it's it's not any different that that speaks volumes to me of how we ought to live we ought to live in a in a in a day-to-day -day expectation of How's God gonna show up today? And not, and and don't misunderstand. It's not about, oh, what am I gonna get? What am I gonna receive? What am I gonna be blessed with? I'm not. I don't mean that. I mean that. How am I gonna encounter God today? How am? How is Jesus going to show up today and just give me that fresh wind? That. that power of the Holy Spirit. I remember the first time I read that scripture. I remember clearly. I put my Bible down and I said, Jesus, you can cook? <laughs> <laughs> you don't understand. That was like an explosion in my heart because... He's such a simple person. And counting the Omer and having expectation doesn't necessarily mean what's in it for me. What are you going to do for me? Sometimes you see the Lord do something for somebody else in a very subtle, simple, practical way. And it just, God was here. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. In the small things, in the little details. It's like he leaves a fingerprint and, and you're like, oh, that's, that was the Lord. This could not have happened any other way because no one else could have done this or said this. You and I talked about this last week. Yeah. I was tremendously impacted by a text you sent me of someone that received something while watching the Seder meal. Yes. And I just couldn't overcome the sense of awe that I had in my heart. How wonderful, how how powerful, how great is our God. Yeah. And he is in the most minute little details. It just, he makes himself known. He makes himself uh, be experienced and felt. And it's like the most amazing thing. Yeah. And I think these men went through that. And I think this is God. God is no respecter of persons. Yeah. If you're looking, if you have expectation, if you're praying, you're going to find him. You're going to see yes. him. You're going to feel him. You're going to live yes. with God in your life. Yes. Completely. Completely. So they're there getting ready to go towards the counting of the Omer and towards Pentecost. But now we're four, let's say we're, I don't know if you've reached it yet, but we're 40 days in. Jesus only shows up for 40 days. But the counting of the Omer until Pentecost is 50. So... 40 days, he is teaching, imparting revelation, illumination. He gives them the Holy Spirit. And Acts 1, 6 through 11, uh, it says, When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the father has put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the world. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is talking, which is taken, I'm sorry, up for you into from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven so his very last words are concerning receiving the holy spirit and he says to them you have 10 days yeah to prepare yourselves to meditate on what i have taught you mm. what you have seen get ready and not too many days from now the holy spirit is coming and you will become, at that point, I'm activating you and I'm releasing you. And you're going to go to the four corners of the world or the earth, starting with Jerusalem, 
You're going to talk to my people, the Jewish people. Right. And then you're going to go to Judea and to Samaria, where the Gentiles are, and onto the uttermost part of the earth, and that they did. So 40 days of impartation, intense teaching, intense experiences, and then 10 days for you to prep, for you to get ready. Because when Pentecost comes, you got to go. Yeah. But they had they had no idea what this was going to look like. No. At all. Do so you know what you're going to look like 10 years from now? Five no. years? Two days from now. <laughs> no, I hope younger. But anyway. <laughs> that's a table talk for another day. That's a, Yeah, that's right. <laughs> No, it's true. They had no idea. They had no clue what that was going to even look like. But it gives, it puts it a little bit into perspective. At least it does for me, knowing that um, they were expecting that something was going to happen. Of course, they were going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit because that's what Jesus said. But they didn't know how that was going to look like. No. So when you come to chapter two of the book of Acts, right? Yeah, they they are all together. And so it, what I'm trying to say is that it for me, it gives me a little more perspective in their mindset of the day of Pentecost in and of itself. That day. It says when when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Right. Yeah. So they were they were in unity. And. It, that day had to have been the all-time highest of expectations in my in my eyes. Right. Uh, you know, granted, they, they had spent all that time for the 40 days with Jesus, but on that day, knowing that when Jesus said he was going to do something, he was going to he was going to complete it. So that day came and here they were all gathered in one place. Now, here's what I want to bring to the table. <clears throat> Something very powerful is happening here. Okay. Um, it's the perfect balance. 13 or 1400 years before, I don't remember the exact amount of years. I think it's around 1300 years before. Israel gathered by, by Mount Sinai and Torah was given. Right. Torah means guidance, balance, okay? Mm. They received the Torah. They received the word of God. They received the law, okay? But then on Pentecost, after Jesus came, comes the spirit. The Lord gave the spirit. And if we go to 2 Corinthians 3, 6, this is uh, Paul talking he says who also has made us able ministers of the new testament not of the letter mm. but of the spirit for the letter killeth but the spirit giveth life mm. so we have torah in the old covenant and we have the spirit in the new covenant given in the same day okay, came down from heaven and you have the perfect balance. We have the word, 
but we also have the spirit. A church that only moves in the spirit and doesn't pay attention to the word, it's out of balance. And the church that only uses the word and doesn't allow the Holy Spirit to come and move also out of balance. What is the message for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? You need the word, but you also need the spirit. Yes. Wow. Wow. That is a very big message. So powerful. So true. One is incomplete without the other. Without the other. You're absolutely right. You have a lot of churches that are very much into laying of hands, falling in the spirit, you know, uh, praying for people, uh, all those things that are like out of balance. And in reality, you need both. The message from heaven is you need the letter and you need the spirit. Yeah. One cannot be complete without the other. Yeah. Even. That's right. You need balance. You need balance. There was um <clears throat> there's another important correlation um with regards to Pentecost as well. And um if you recall in the time of Nimrod, um during the Tower of Babel, and um he was building the tower, and that was a rebellion in and of itself. We don't need to get into that, but God came down and dispersed um their language, um, people, you know, by confusing their language. Uh yet we see here at Pentecost how the Holy Spirit comes and down and then unites the languages, really setting the course for unification of Gentiles and Jews to receive salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So it comes full circle. And I love that about the word, how you have the types and shadows. Um, and, and like you said, the balance, it comes together. I love the word you used last week that keeps coming to my um, my mind quite a bit ever since you used it, but that convergence, yes. right? Yes. And, and, and I, and, and that's, that's a beautiful correlation though, too, because this happened with the rebellion back then in the tower of Babel and God dispersed them. Yet here we see a unification of how God is saying that happened back then due to rebellion, but guess what? Now, now there's going to be this united force to be reckoned with amen amen i Again, love that forces of darkness and nice. um and, and so i love how the lord brings things to full circle in that way i think types and shadows are very important to understand yeah I think it's something that we need to pay attention to so that we can understand the whole message um yeah. so my question to you is i guess or to the audience do we need to count the omer no. No. We don't need to count the Omer. Uh, we need to know what happened. Yes. We need to understand why it happened. Um, that we are, and, and what is the message for me? If it's in the word, it's relevant to my life yes. today. And the message is I am to live my life with expectation. Mm. I am to live my life waiting to see what the Lord is going to do. Yeah. You know, every day, even in the midst of trouble, in the, even in the midst of situations that are painful or, uh, you know, that we don't understand what the Lord is doing. Hmm. We still need to have expectation and, and trust, trust that he will, that he has something better yeah. on its way to us. Yeah. And it's not just, 
in the here and now. It's not just here in the material world. It's what's to come, our, our eternity with him, that we will, we're going to be like him. And the same way that the disciples saw Jesus in his resurrected body, we too will have a resurrected body one day. That yeah. should be that should be the greatest expectation that we we shall be with him one day Um, in the here and in the now. Yes. We, we ought to have um, a spirit of expectation. Um, I think that, I think that's something that we're missing in our walk with God as a Christian. We're missing. And, and, and that has to do with, you know, like you said, so much, so much battle that we that we have daily something happens and you know we're so fixed on the circumstances we're so fixed on our emotions we're so fixed on what so and so did what so and so said or i have to do this or i have to do that it's just our life is so you know we're so en- enveloped in our life um but we we have to sometimes i guess for a lack of a better term because this is what comes to mind is just compartmentalize that sometimes and just say, okay, this, yes, this is happening. But at the same time, you know, God wants so many good things for, for me. And he wants me to commune with him in a deeper way. So let me, let me put those emotions aside and let me just concentrate on him. Let me have a a expectation of what he wants to show me. And you know, for me, it infuses me, you know, things like, like what we're doing right now, this, this sets off a perfect reminder for us to get back online, back on track, align, realign ourselves and put on on your Jesus glasses, put on, put on that Jesus lens and see things with his eyes, see things with his expectation, because I mean, we we have no clue what he has in store for us. He he, he brings things into perspective and he puts uh, he makes things clear. When you look when you look at life or when you live life or see life through him, he brings the clear image of what life should be like or what he's expecting, even in the midst of trouble and in, in the midst of you know heartache and and, and disappointment and disillusions. Put on your Jesus glasses. Look at life through his lens. Look at all the things that he went through. I mean, he, he I think he covered all the bases, honestly. And we could find um we could find strength and we can find hope and we can find joy when we look at what transpired in his life and, and what the disciples went through and, and and everything else. We could all see it from a different perspective. And I think I think a lot of people are missing that, you know. Yeah, we 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 look at Jesus on Sunday morning, and that's the end of that. And the rest of the week, I'm on my own. And you got to bring Jesus home with you. Absolutely, you got to do life with Jesus. That's the only way that all these things will make sense. Absolutely, absolutely. If we look at just like you said, if we look at the lives of the disciples, when Pentecost came, that doesn't mean that uh, when the Holy Spirit came, that doesn't mean that. They were void of any trouble. On the contrary, they faced a lot of trouble. They they ran straight into trouble. They sure did. They sure did. And they knew it. 
And they knew it. And they knew it because Jesus prepared them. Yeah. They knew what was coming. Yeah. Jesus did not sugarcoat any of it. Of it. Yeah. He was crystal clear. And he said, if it happened to me. That's right. Life will be hard. Life will have a lot of challenges, but yeah. you must trust I have overcome the world. That's right. That's right. Wow. What a beautiful teaching. Amen. Amen. Yes. I want to, I want to end with this scripture. I had it up here so I can um, to share it with everyone. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And, Amen. and that, you know, that, that'll close this off with a, uh, just a stamp of, of hope that we have the Holy Spirit. If you are a child of God, if you have come into com uh, uh, covenant with Jesus, um, you are a child of the living God and the Holy Amen. Spirit is in you. Yes. And, and that gives us hope. He gives us hope. He's the one that gives us peace, even in the midst of turmoil, even in the midst of being betrayed or being hurt uh, or whatever it is that you might be going through. And so I hope that gives our listeners hope today that although this is a teaching about counting of the Omer, it should be a teaching of hope. That's right. Christ Jesus, the hope of glory. The hope of glory. Amen. Wow. Well, any last words you want to share with our audience? Because I could keep talking here for like ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, my prayer is that whoever is listening will be touched in the same way that we have been touched, um, assured, strengthened um, by the person of the Holy Spirit. He is so wonderful and it's such an amazing uh, companion he is my friend, uh, my beloved. I call him my beloved, and I tell him, you're my beloved. Uh, I love doing life with you, even when there are days in which it may be even difficult to breathe. But what a wonderful uh, thing it is to know that he is there to comfort us. And my prayer today, as we come to a close, is for the Spirit of God to comfort those who are suffering, those who are going through the valley of the shadow of death, um, maybe you lost someone that was dear to you. Maybe you lost a friendship. Maybe you're going through a divorce. I don't know what could be hurting you today, but my prayer is that the comforter, the spirit of the living God, the spirit of Christ, comfort you, hug you, hold you, and make you feel loved and protected Amen. as um, you go through life. Amen. 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 Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you, Pastor Marsha. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll definitely get together again and uh, do another teaching. We've got Pentecost coming up, so yes, um, maybe we can get together for that. Um, I think I want to say it comes in May. I wrote it down. May, May twenty eighth. Is it May twenty eighth? Okay. Yes. Yeah, I wrote it down. I just can't find my notes. <laughs> May twenty eighth, uh, Pentecost Sunday. So let's all have a spirit of expectation.
yeah. from now until the day of Pentecost and really from now until the end of time, until Jesus comes back for us, his Amen. bride. Amen. So, so today is day six. Day six. Of the first week of the counting of the omer. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Amen. Well, thank you so much. Uh, once again, I appreciate you taking your time and giving us this uh, wonderful knowledge and revelation. Uh, I hope and pray that uh, our listening audience, uh, if you would share this message with your friends and with your family, and um, we just pray the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus from now and, and forever and every uh, obstacle you face that you will find uh, trust, hope, faith, in Christ alone. Amen. So God bless you. And thank you so much again for joining us. And uh, we will be again with you next Wednesday. Don't forget another table talk. And we'll see you very soon. Take care and God bless. Thank you, Pastor Marsha. Thank you. Bye-bye.